title of my message is Turning the Dial to Fellowship. Now, I was so excited about that title because I thought it'd just be so cool. And I asked my wife, and she said, huh? Well, turning the dial, I get it. And I says, no, our governor's been talking about that stupid dial for two months now. And it's about time we turn the dial to something like fellowship. And again, not to be political, but I don't know about you, but it gets really frustrating. You know, when we live out here, it's kind of like, a, it truly is a different world in the metro area. My son and daughter, son-in-law and daughter-in-law, the kids came down and it was like, in a sense, getting released from prison. You know, there was, it's such a different atmosphere. Uh, not that we want to, don't want to take things seriously, but there's just a different attitude, especially in the attitude, area of fear that we're not having to deal with at a corporate level anyway. So I want to talk about fellowship and turning the dial to fellowship. One of the things I think most of us, at least to a degree, have discovered in this time of whatever we call it, social distancing, stay at home, stay in place, whatever, is isolation is not that much fun. Isolation does strange things to a person. Depending on how isolated you really are or really were during these days, it can have an amazing impact on your emotional and mental psyche. Single, single people, elderly people, people like my mother in their home, and who can visit? Can they go outside? It's hard to do. And I think one of the reasons it's hard to do is we are created for companionship and fellowship as human beings. God created us for companionship and fellowship. It's part of who we are innately. And today, when we talk about fellowship, um, you know, churches, in a general sense anyway, churches have, you know, fellowship halls. Churches have fellowship dinners. Churches may have fellowship retreats. But the reality is, I think a lot of churches don't have biblical fellowship, hardly at all. So while we're celebrating being able to come together more, it's awesome. I want us to get a good understanding this morning of three primary things. These, these would be the objectives that I hope we can walk away with this morning from hearing what I believe the Word of God shows us very clearly. First objective is understanding what is true biblical fellowship. What is it? We know and have an understanding and probably have a, have a concept in our mind of what fellowship is. Is it biblical fellowship? Second objective is, why is it so important to a New Testament church that we understand this? And when I say New Testament church, especially for those maybe listening online, I'm not talking about a church that ignores the Old Testament. We cherish the Old Testament. But I'm talking about a New Testament church, an Antioch church, a, a, a Book of Acts type church, a church that came into existence when the Holy Spirit came and indwelt us and we became the church. You and I are the church. So why is it important that a New Testament church understands biblical fellowship? And thirdly, how can we here at Victory as the Victory family really practice biblical fellowship? Are we practicing biblical fellowship? I would like to think without 
being prideful or presumptive, I, I believe that we do a reasonably good job. And I think as we begin to understand, maybe after uh, today's message even, what biblical fellowship really is, we can do a better job of fellowship. And I think it's really timely because I think most of us understood we haven't enjoyed the way things have been as the church gathering corporately. We all understand that you and I are the church. Wherever we go, the church is going because that's who you and I are. But there is something really powerful about corporately, and I believe as we see what true fellowship from a biblical perspective is, we'll even understand that more clearly. So let's start with the first one, the biblical meaning of fellowship. How many of you have ever heard the word koinonia? Koinonia. You're going to hear me say it a number of times, so if you would, say it after me. Koinonia. Koinonia. A Greek word, and it's one of those Greek words that's used about 20 times in the scriptures, in the New Testament. And it's the word, it's, it's one of those words that's translated many different ways because of what the meaning of it really is. You know, we could say we, Cindy, I, I get in the car, we're going to go on a road trip. We get in the car, close the door, go down the road, are we fellowshipping? No, not really. We're riding together in a car. What is fellowship? Listen to some of the words that are translated and some of the different meanings of this word koinonia. It can mean an association, a group. It can mean a, a relationship um, of community, coming together, community, communion, joint participation. It can mean contact. It can mean a benefit that's jointly contributed to by the people involved in the relationship. And it is a, it is a collection of things that exhibit the fellowship that is taking place. Now, a lot of words for one word, koinonia. And as we look at some of the scriptures we're going to look at in just a few moments, you'll see how it's used. And I think what you'll see is a broadening of our understanding of what biblical fellowship is. And when I'm talking biblical fellowship, I guess what I could say is fellowship between believers that are united through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and have the Holy Spirit indwelling them. An unbeliever really cannot participate in this kind of fellowship. They can have aspects of it. We'll get to that later, but we need to be careful about those things. So the koinonia is about a relationship. Obviously, all relationships require more than one person. The concept of koinonia, the concept of it is this. It's supposed to characterize the Christian church. It should be a characteristic of the Christian church. An automatic outflowing, if you would, of a Christian church. John says in 1 John chapter 1, verses 3 and then verses 6 and 7. I'm going to read starting at verse 3. That which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with God, with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and the Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. So we can have fellowship koinonia, 
with the Lord first and foremost, and with others. This is what John is writing in his book, First John. In verse 6, it goes on and says, If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Notice some words there about this fellowship, this koinonia. We're walking with part of this koinonia. It's not just an internal relationship. There's an external aspect to it. We're walking with. Do not practice. You're doing something. But if we walk in the light, there we are walking in the light. As he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Koinonia with one another. And the blood of Jesus' Son cleanses us from all sin. An interesting truth. This word, this koinonia, this fellowship with God, was never referred to in the Scriptures until after the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit indwelt believers. In other words, it, it didn't exist, this kind of fellowship. Koinonia, until the Holy Spirit indwelt us, and that made it possible. And then we start reading about it and hearing about it in Scripture. <clears throat> we read about it in 2 Corinthians 13. There is a koinonia, a fellowship with the Holy Spirit. It says, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, this is Paul writing in the church at Corinth, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship, the koinonia of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And then in Philippians 2, I'm going to read all four verses here, one through four. And it kind of encapsulizes what I'm going to be talking about a lot in the rest of the message because it gives us a picture of what fellowship should include. We're going to get it loud and clear, I believe, that this kind of fellowship, this koinonia, isn't just an internal thing. I feel good about you, you feel good about me, we like being around each other. No, there is a reaction or an action part of the definition of biblical fellowship. Here's what it says, starting in Philippians chapter 2, verse 1. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any koinonia, fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being in one spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Christians, in fellowship, in koinonia, this is how we should act. This is the action that should come forth naturally out of people who are spirit-filled believers. It should be natural. Think of the early church in the book of Acts, chapter 2. In verse 42, it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the koinonia, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. It was part of the foundational actions of the original church. As a New Testament church, it should be part of what we do naturally. A natural outworking of the Holy Spirit. And we'll see how important that is in just a few moments. 
So remember, first of all, it's way more, koinonia is way more than a warm, friendly feeling about someone else or even about a group of people. I mean, man, I I hope you share this with me, but I have this warm, friendly feeling about this group of people. But does that mean it's true fellowship? Not necessarily. Not necessarily. I want to give you some other scriptures, if you want to just jot them down for your own study, where this word koinonia is translated differently and used differently to give you a bigger picture of what koinonia, biblical fellowship, is. In Romans 15, verse 26, the churches, Macadamia and Achaia, make a contribution. The word contribution is koinonia. They make a contribution, a koinonia, by giving to another church. In 1 Corinthians 10, 16, Communion is called fellowship or koinonia. They had communion. We receive communion together. We are fellowshipping together. We are koinoniaing together when we receive communion. In Philippians 1.5, it says, We are to have an active participation in the gospel. That active participation, we are to have an active koinonia in the gospel. It should be part of our fellowship this relationship that we have with the gospel simply because the Holy Spirit lives and dwells in us. We have relationship, fellowship, koinonia with the Holy Spirit. This should be part of a natural outflowing in our lives. Philippians 3.10, painful one. It says we are to have koinonia with the sufferings of Jesus Christ. The sufferings of Jesus Christ. There should be that type of fellowship between us and the sufferings of Christ. So I hope you're seeing, you're getting a picture of how this word koinonia, this type of biblical fellowship, is primarily an action word. And as a matter of fact, in its definition in almost every case, the definition isn't complete until it includes the action that is a result of that relationship between two people or more, between us and the Lord, or between a body of believers, the church. We need to get an understanding that, you know, as awesome as it is for those of us that are able to gather today, koinonia is more than just being together. It includes doing together. Doing together is a key aspect of koinonia, biblical fellowship. We as a body of Christ, united by the Holy Spirit, have a purpose. And in that purpose is where the koinonia, the biblical fellowship, comes forth. And it's in particular, in a group of Christians, it's doing God's work. Because we are in fellowship with the Lord and with fellowship with one another, biblical fellowship... We should be doing the Lord's work as a natural outpouring of fellowship. There is really no biblical fellowship without action. Meaning, someone could attend a church service every day of the week, come in, sit down, go through the service, and leave. And if they think that's biblical fellowship, they're greatly mistaken. 
and they are missing out on some of the most important blessings of God because of that. Most of, most of us, I hope, in here were, have been participating in the online services. You know, it's interesting, at the very beginning, man, there was a real hunger for something, and, and we had quite a number of regular people tuning in right at 10 o'clock. And then over the weeks, that number's gotten smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. As my sermons have got worse and worse. <laughs> now, I believe part of it is something's missing. We can get great information. We can listen to the music and worship at home as best we can alone. But something was missing because of the koinonia that was missing of a group gathering together. We need to guard ourselves that online church shouldn't become your church. TV ministries should not become your church. The koinonia, biblical fellowship, is missing. And we'll get to why that's so important in just a few moments. One of the things that I just want to make a little bit of a rabbit trail on is our actions as a group in fellowship are greatly influenced by the association that we're in fellowship with. This is why we need to be a little bit careful about who we are having true fellowship with, true koinonia with. In other words, friendship and fellowship are not the same thing. There's a scripture that most of us have heard, 2 Corinthians 6. I'm going to read verses 14 and 17. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what koinonia can light have with darkness? Therefore, come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. Friendship and biblical fellowship are not the same. If we are truly entering into fellowship, biblical fellowship with a group of people, our actions are affected by that group of people. In other words, we are to be in the world, but we're not to be of the world. We're not to become like the world. On the flip side of that, friendship is awesome. Friendship, having friendly conversation, getting along well with someone, developing a friendship that allows you to talk and share and be, I mean, it's absolutely necessary if we're going to fill the Great Commission. We can't isolate ourselves so far from the world, we have no Christian friends. We don't know anybody who's not saved. You know, we, we do not want to isolate as the body of Christ. We want to be the body of Christ and go out. But there's a critical balance that needs to take place here between friendship and true biblical fellowship. I don't know about you, but I know for me, if I am around a particular group of people, friends, maybe family, and we are not like-minded when it comes to Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, trying the best we can as the Spirit leads us to live a holy and righteous life, it doesn't take long before that group of people begins to affect the way I think, the words I might speak, the jokes I might listen to. I could go on down the road. So there's this balance that we need to keep in mind. We need to be friends 
with the world in the sense that we need to have relationship, friendship with them so that we can carry out the Great Commission. That puts us in the world, but not of the world. So that balance is something that we just need to guard against. Now, I know that was an awfully lot of words to try and tell us what biblical fellowship is. Koinonia. Without action, there is no koinonia. So, the second objective is, why is this so important to a New Testament church? Why is it such a big deal? Two main points I want to make here. First one is this. It was the natural response of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts on the day of Pentecost when the early church was formed, it was birthed. It was a natural. You know what? If you remember Peter's first sermon, I can tell you what it wasn't. Come on, church. We need to fellowship more. We need to get together in homes. We need to share meals together. We need to get together in a Bible study. We need to get together and pray a little bit more. We need to, we need to, we need to. No, not mentioned. They just did it. It's what happened. It was natural. In Acts chapter 2, verse 44 all the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I mean, there are so many sermons in those four verses. It's amazing. But it all just came out of the new koinonia that they had with the Holy Spirit, with Jesus, with the Lord, and it just naturally flowed out into their lives. I believe they understood that it was important to share their lives together as Christians. They were committed to sharing their lives together as Christians. It's not a one-person sport, Christianity. We are united by the Holy Spirit, and we need one another, sharing our lives together. And I also believe, it doesn't say this explicitly, but I believe they probably understood that their faith would grow as they grew in relationship with one another, that they would have encouragement and comfort coming from one another. They would be being held accountable by one another. And all of these things would grow and build their faith as a natural outpouring of the Holy Spirit in this new thing called church. So the natural response. And secondly, biblical fellowship, koinonia, is an indispensable means of accomplishing God's given purpose for the church. If Jesus... If God created the church on the day of Pentecost when he sent the Holy Spirit, he has a purpose for that church, a God-given purpose for all of his church. Now, I know different individual groups of believers, we call them churches, but individual groups of believers have different purposes, different mission statements, all of that, and that's fine. But God gave a God-given purpose for every church and we see that it's designed to be accomplished by the koinonia of his church. 
In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 8, Paul writes these words to the church at Ephesus. Though I am the least deserving of all God's people, he graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in God, in Christ. I was chosen to explain to everyone this mysterious plan that God, the creator of all things, had kept secret from the very beginning. God's purpose in all of this, listen to this now, God's purpose in all of this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to the all to all the unseen rulers and authorities in heavenly places. This was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Christ Jesus our Lord. God has an eternal plan, and he chose the church. He formed the church as God's instrument to accomplish his plan. In other words, as the scripture said, to show the world the rich variety or the many facets of God's infinite wisdom. This is why it's so important that the church is in koinonia with one another and, of course, with God, with the Holy Spirit to carry out the very purpose that we've been given. Without biblical fellowship... This is hindered greatly. Second objective, the importance of fellowship. The third one is this. How do we, how do we as the Victory family, how do we, what do we do, what do we need to work on, what do we need to be more sensitive to the Holy Spirit's leading in so that we can practice biblical fellowship here as the group that gathers under what we call the Victory family. First of all, and I think it becomes obvious pretty quickly, we need to recognize that no one individual working alone could ever fulfill God's plan. Amen? We can't do it. Isolating, being out there on our own, we, we can't do it. God is so multifaceted. As a, I mean, we can't even comprehend how amazing he is. And yet he says, Church, I want you to be my representative to the world of my many-faceted, amazing wisdom. The very nature of God's plan requires all of these gifts and talents that he has given to people be added together, come together to do the purpose, accomplish the purpose that he created the church for. I read an illustration, and you've probably heard versions of this before, but I, I, I took it out of a sermon that a pastor named Bob Gilliam used to illustrate koinonia. And I thought it makes a very clear picture. You know, if... By the way, worship team, that was awesome. Thank you. But the music, the worship team, let's use that as an example. The electric guitar was great. Thanks, Rodney. But if it had just been the electric car, guitar, something would have been missing. Drums were okay. They were great too. Take away everything and just have the drums, something's missing. Doesn't matter how good the guitar player was. Doesn't matter how good the drummer was. The keyboard player, that was really good. But all alone, 
something is missing. I love the flute, Debbie. That's awesome. But just the flute, something's missing. Vocalist, awesome. What a blessing. Just them, something's missing. Whole bunch of gifts, whole bunch of talents been given by God to each one of those individuals. But until they came together in harmony as a group, something was missing. But when they did, they brought all of those gifts, all those talents together and led us in worship. When we look at God's plan, we need to not compare it to a solo, but to a symphony. No matter how loud you play that one note, it's not that good. It's just loud. And no matter how good each one of the individuals are, if they're not playing together, you know, I have, I hear a lot of discussions over our Sunday dinner table. Yeah, we got off a little bit there. We got off a little bit there. We got off a little bit there. And I'm going, huh? I didn't even notice. But if they were all playing at a totally different tempo, heck, they could all be playing different songs using their amazing gifts, and it would have been nothing but noise. It wouldn't have accomplished the desired effect. Only by the band or only by an orchestra playing together can the real harmony of the music be appreciated. The church is God's orchestra. You and I are his orchestra. The Holy Spirit is given spiritual gifts. We have innate talents God created us with. We are the orchestra with all these gifts and all these talents. And they're great. And when you use a gift individually or a talent individually, it accomplishes a purpose. But when the whole church comes together and functions as one in koinonia, true biblical fellowship, bringing all the gifts, all the talents together, wow, you can change a community, you can change an area, and who knows how far that could go. And that's what God hasn't planned. So the orchestra is us. The score, the music, if you would, is the word of God where he reveals Jesus Christ to us. And the instruments are our spiritual gifts and talents. And it all has to come together. Together. Individually, it might be okay. But together, it's absolutely amazing. Because God designed it that way. Every single one of us here have a gift. Every single one of us here have talent. Every single one of us have been brought into a body of Christ where koinonia, relationship, fellowship should take place that automatically brings about an action. There are times when we need to call on others who have a different gift or a different talent than us to be more effective in accomplishing what God's called us to do. We need all the gifts, all the talents together. You know, I, I keep mentioning some of these people who have put so much work into getting this place ready for today. I quit asking what they were doing because no matter how hard Glenn tried to explain to me, I know he could see deer in the headlights because I have no idea what he's talking about. Lydia's hooking up wire. I mean, you can't even imagine probably how many wires are under this stage. And they had to be connected at both ends. I looked at all the wires that were laying right here yesterday afternoon. I thought, oh, Lord, 
we're in trouble. And it's all put together. It's all working. Different gifts coming together as an outpouring of koinonia, the fellowship that we can have in the body of Christ. Our role is to take part in that fellowship in accomplishing the mission that God has called us to wherever you can best fit in. Sometimes we have to jump in where we're not quite as gifted as we should be. That's okay. But we all have these gifts. and We all need to as a body of Christ. So two things I want to mention that are important parts of Victory Families Fellowship, Koinonia, are corporate worship like this and small group worship, life groups, small groups, whatever you want to call them. I believe they are absolutely critical to establishing true biblical fellowship. Not saying that just as a pastor who likes to see people in the chairs. In Acts chapter 2, verse 46 and 47, which I read, it says this, on the day, this is the church, it says, day by day, continuing with one mind in the what? Temple. You know, when the Holy Spirit fell, they didn't just all go home and say, gee, that church thing is over with. We don't need to go do that thing at the temple anymore. Well, they went to the temple. They did a few things different. But they still went and gathered together with larger group of people at the temple. But that didn't stop there. Then it goes on and it says, and breaking bed from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart. They met corporately in a larger group. And they met in smaller groups to really develop relationship with the individuals in the group, the ones that they would be associating with. Praising God and having favor with all the people. When the church is in Koinonia, people notice that aren't part of that group. You may not hear it. You may hear the negative criticisms wherever they can find them. But if we, we could hear what they were thinking and what they were saying maybe elsewhere instead of in front of us, they notice when a body of believers, a church, is actually doing koinonia. Not just enjoying each other's presence, but doing, reaching out to the lost, reaching out to those in need, doing these things. They notice. And then it goes on and says, and the Lord was adding to their numbers day by day. True koinonia will draw people to Christ. There are a number of one another verses in the scripture. For example, bear one another's burdens. Build up one another. Confess your sins to one another. Love one another. The only way we can do those things is when we're together and fellowshipping together. You know, the last few months, I think the church has done an amazing job trying to continue to minister and be the church wherever we go. But I think all of us understood that something is still lacking and missing. And it's coming together as the body of Christ. Thankfully, our small groups, our life groups, many of them were continuing to meet 
Most of the time we were doing it on monitors, Zoom meetings. But it was something. But if it was good enough, we'd just keep doing it. But it's not. We'll do whatever we have to, but there is nothing like getting together as a body of believers. And one of the things that's critical is about this getting together is God, have you noticed this? God uses other people to really reveal himself to you sometimes. You know, I, one of the things as a pastor, I have a lot of people that come and they'll visit and I might be with them for a few weeks in a row or every couple of weeks. And sometimes, sometimes we end up talking about something that's pretty much the same thing. And I kind of share with them what I think is a biblical truth. And then we do it again the next week. And then we do it again the next week and the week after that. And then the next week they show up at my office and they go, Mike, you're not going to believe this. I was talking to Joe, Bob, Casey, Laura, Brian, Mindy, Julie. I was talking, believe it or not, I was talking to Mike. And Mike said something and it just changed me. And I'm sitting there thinking, what? Well, then they have, then they share with me exactly the same thing I've been telling them for about eight weeks. What, ha- what changed? The truth was the same. God chooses to use other people who are in koinonia to speak into the lives of other people. And if the church isn't doing this, it's not going to work. It's an amazing thing to see. You know, even if my insecurities start to show up once in a while, I've got to remind myself, man, isn't it awesome that God created the church to do the work of the ministry? I believe... True biblical koinonia is one of the primary ways God blesses his people. Amazing. Quick summary. Biblical fellowship is a relationship with God and with our brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. True biblical, true biblical fellowship. It's not just about being together. It's not just an internal unity, which both of those things are awesome, but it's about doing things together to advance the kingdom of God. You and I, as the church, have been entrusted by God to continue and carry out his eternal plan. If God actually called us to do something that amazing, he probably gave us all the tools that we need. And you and I are the tools. He's given us the gifts to do this. I believe it's God's plan, true koinonia, is God's plan for his church taking care of each other. They said at the beginning, it's an innate thing in us, this need for fellowship. We need it. The world needs it. All human beings need it. And we have the key to true fellowship. And it should be natural for each one of us as part of his church. We can't effectively be the church alone, ever. The worship team would come forward. I want to pray, and then we are going to... Worship one more time. Father, I just thank you and praise you for the awesome responsibility that you've given your church to carry out your plan. Father, I thank you for your Holy Spirit who equips us and unites us. I pray, God, that you would show us by your Spirit ways that we can do a better job of truly being in koinonia, biblical fellowship with like-minded believers. 
God, I thank you for all of the amazing biblical fellowship that we have in this body of believers. Thank you for the many gifts and talents that you bring together. Father, I pray that we use them for your glory and your glory alone. 